Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. He has risen. Did you know there is life after this life? A lot of people don't believe that. 40% or 46% actually, to be exact, do not believe that there is life after this life. That's the title of this morning's message, Life After This Life. 46% actually believe And then there's about 8% that don't have a clue what planet they're living on. 46% actually believe that there is life after this life. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians. What a beautiful chapter that is, by the way. If you want to know anything about the resurrection, there's 58 verses jam-packed with truths that will transform your lives, give you confidence that he is who he said he is and that there is life after this life. Let's begin, beginning in verse 12, chapter 15. It says, But if it is preached that Christ has risen from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? And I want to pause there and remind you that a poll was taken that a quarter of people that actually attend church throughout the United States and Britain do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and they're sitting right amongst us 25% so Paul is addressing those people that are sitting amongst all the saints saying who put it in your head that Christ has not risen how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead let's continue he's appealing to your intellect If there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified that God, that he raised Christ from the dead. But If he did not raise him, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. See how he's appealing to your common sense? And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, our loved ones who have gone before us, are lost. If this is true. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But thank God for verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Can I get a hallelujah today? He has been raised. He is is the first fruits. He's the first one representing all those who are going to follow who have fallen asleep that they will be raised from the dead. Thus the title, 
life after this life really does exist. Let's pray. Father, would you please continue to glorify your word, convict the person that is on the sidelines debating whether or not to put his confidence in you. We know that the Holy Spirit does the convicting and the proving. Would you do that? And for those who love you, Father, who have lost loved ones this year, last year, the last 10 years, encourage us with these truths that we will live again. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, believe it or not, there is life after death. That has not changed, but the impact of Jesus' death has. It has impact all you that are sitting here this morning. He has changed your lives, just like he did the apostles. But I, I want to take you back into the Old Testament, because a lot of people think, well, the resurrection really wasn't talked about. Eternal life was not really talked about. Life after this life was not really talked about. And then I want to tie it together with what Jesus had to say about the resurrection and then how it can impact you and me today. Yes, life after life was mentioned in the Old Testament. But that implies something. What does it imply? That there was a death. There was a death. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, a death sentence was passed upon them and upon their descendants, everyone will die who has been born. But people don't know that there really is a second death. That second death happened also in the garden. You see, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, they forfeited their right to live with him forever and ever. That's called the second death. Revelation actually talks about this second death. If your name is not written in the book of life, there will be a second death for you. So in order to enjoy the resurrection, we have to understand what the resurrection overcomes. That is death in the flesh and the second death, which is eternal separation from our God and our Savior. Totally cut off from God and his kingdom. Now, there are some people in the Old Testament that talked about this resurrection. Job is the oldest book in the Bible, even though it starts with Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But Job is actually the oldest book in the Bible. And after all that he had been through, how many know what Job went through? Raise your hand, the book of Job. All, God took everything from him, and yet he did not curse God. And in his struggle with God, he asked himself this question, and it has been recorded for you and me. When man dies, will he live again? Have you been asking yourself that question? When I die, will I live again? Well, he answered that question for us in Job 19. Here's what he said. In the midst of all his trouble and struggles and problems, he said, I know my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, not another. And how my heart yearns within me for this experience. So Job reminds you of me 
that there is life after death. And the people in the Old Testament, the people that first walked this planet, knew about this because one of the wisest men in the world, who was Solomon, not what Jesus was the smartest and the wisest, Solomon was the wisest man on the earth. And he spoke about this subject, about eternity. Here's what he had to say about it in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. So when you, you're beginning to ask this question, what about people in another country? What about people in the remote places of the world? God declares through Solomon, I have set in the hearts and minds of people everywhere on the face of this earth, every single solitary person that's been born on this planet, that eternity exists, that you will live again. And Solomon said, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. Not only did Job say something and and Solomon say something, but God spoke to Moses and Jesus quoted what he said to Moses. You see, Moses, when he was out in the wilderness and he had left Egypt and he was tending to the sheep, he had a burning bush experience. God talked to him out of the bush. So if someone ever walks up to you and said, God spoke to me through my dog, didn't God speak through a donkey? And he spoke through a bush. So listen to what that person has to say and then laugh. <laughs> I imagine when, when Moses was telling the story that God spoke through a bush, it, it, people were laughing and snickering. But here's what he said. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Well, Jesus quotes this in Matthew chapter 12 when he's speaking to the religious leaders who are doubting the resurrection. And he said, don't you remember what Yahweh said to Moses? He said that he is the God of the living, not the dead. So you see, people did know that there was life after this life before Jesus walked the face of this earth. Now, there's a couple other Old Testament passages you might want to jot down because they will increase your faith in this subject matter. Two of their favorite prophets, Daniel and Isaiah, they made a comment about this. This is after Michael the archangel conversed with Daniel, and he recorded some of that, and here's what he said in Daniel chapter 12 about life after this life. At that time, Michael, the prince who protects your people will rise. There will be a time of distress such has not happened from the beginning of nations until now. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will wake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. That's the second death, by the way. 
Isaiah piggybacks on what Daniel is saying to, to, to build your confidence that there is life after this life. Isaiah 26 reminds us, your dead will live. Their bodies will rise. You who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew in the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. You see, the dead are dust-dwelling sleepers, and resurrection will wake them up. Well, sifting metaphors, Isaiah depicts the earth giving birth. And I want you to remember this. The tomb is a womb. Aren't you glad? The tomb is a womb. That's what Isaiah is communicating to each one of us. So you see, in the Old Testament, when God spoke about passing a death sentence upon all mankind and then giving us promises, you would kind of think that God didn't keep his promises. And that's kind of what the New Testament folks thought. God did not keep his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Death doesn't make God a promise breaker. The resurrection proves he's a promise keeper. Let me repeat that one more time, and maybe you can give a shout with this. Death doesn't make God a promise breaker. The resurrection proves he is a promise keeper. Can you give praise in the house of God for that this morning? Well, that's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. Somebody whistles here. I don't know who does it. Good job over there. Okay, okay. My dog hasn't said anything yet, though. Jesus taught there's life after this life. Did you know that? Jesus taught there was life after this. So he's continuing this, this, this theme of life after life. Here's what he said as soon as he started teaching the apostles, not when he's about to die. See, he's communicating this over and over again. You will live. You will live. You will live. Well, John chapter 5 picks up on this theme. Here's what he said to the world, specifically to the apostles, but eventually to all of us. He said, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. He continues in that same chapter, in chapter 5. Here's what he says, again, about this subject matter. Do not be amazed at this, the resurrection. For a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice. Do you remember reading about that in the, Old, in the New Testament anywhere? You remember when Lazarus died? What did he say? Lazarus, come forth. Do you know why he said his name? You know what the conspiracy is? If he hadn't specifically said Lazarus, what would have happened? Everyone would have come out of the graves and given a shout. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the last days. So let's look at it again. He said, for a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good will rise to live. And those who've done evil will rise to be condemned. And by the way, this doesn't have anything to do with getting into heaven by works. 
This is just talking about those who believed and followed through with good works. See, when you believe, you will follow through with good works. Jesus said, if you love me, you will follow me and you will obey me. Those are the works that you do. He continues in John chapter 6, building on this theme to the apostles who are learning from God himself in the flesh. Here's what he said. And this is the will of him. You know, a lot of times we don't understand what the will of God is, but he's making it clear. This is the will of him who sent me. What is his will? That I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will. Now, here's the key. Some people doubt this. But my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, who? Some people? A few people? Some chosen people? No. He says, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have, present tense, eternal life. And I will raise him up the last day. I don't know about you. That's good news that celebrates. That's all right, ushers. You can, you can, today's the day of celebration. They can, they can stay here. Okay. So Jesus is teaching the apostles about this. You know, when someone tells me something and asks me to do something, I always wonder if they've done it. You know, when I used to coach from basketball to baseball. And, and so really a good coach is one, a really effective coach is one who's already done it. And Jesus talked about the resurrection. So we're wondering, okay, he's talked about it. Well, can he raise his own self up from the dead? So we just celebrate this past week some terrible things. They brutally beat Jesus. They crucified him on a tree, and they buried him. It looks like it's all over. All the apostles are gone, save maybe John. No one is sticking up for Jesus at this time. They secure a tomb with a very large stone, and they place a Roman guard there and sealed the tomb. That meant no one better dare try to approach that tomb to steal the body. Nobody, I'm saying nobody was camped out at, you know how we, we do um, tailgating at dolphin games? Well, not dolphins anymore. Is they your favorite college team? And <laughs> you think after everything Jesus taught them, there would be some tailgating at the tomb all waiting with their popcorn and their peanuts and their Coke and their Sprites. You would think they would be waiting. He taught them, I will rise again on the third day. They weren't there. There was a lack of faith in the apostles. That should give you hope when you have little faith. But he said he rose the third day. You see, the stone was rolled away not to let him out, but to tell the world not to doubt. 
Let me say that again. The stone was rolled away. This big, gigantic stone was rolled away while the Roman guards were paralyzed because of the glory of God being displayed before their very eyes. They were like dead men. It was rolled away, not to let him out, but to tell the world not to doubt. He is risen. He is risen from the dead. Well, Matthew 28 picks up on that truth. Matthew 28 says, after the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, they doubted also. They weren't going there to see a resurrected body. They, were, they brought some spices to put on the body. The Bible tells us there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here he has risen just as he said come and see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee there you will see him now I have told you now let me say something about this scene this is what separates our religion from all the religions in the world. Let's just take the top religions. What's the top religion besides Christianity, which is the number one religion in the world? Islam. <laughs> Did he rise from the dead? Muhammad? Did you know he was buried beneath the great green dome in Medina, Saudi Arabia? And millions of millions flocked to Mecca, and after they make this Life journey to Mecca, they visit Medina, the gravesite of Muhammad. He's still in the grave. How would you like him to lead you into battle, through the grave, into the portholes of glory? Why would people put their faith in a dead man? What about Buddha? This Buddha that you see visiting people at their homes in their front yards, sitting there with his arms folded on his big belly, doing nothing, sitting in the homes, sitting in businesses, and people worshiping this dude that can't move, can't speak, can't talk. Did you know this guy was cremated and his remains were given to eight surrounding villages or communities in China? Good luck in finding a piece of Buddha. Would you want to put your faith in him? Spend your whole life worshiping a false god. What about Hinduism? I don't know if you really realize it. Hinduism really has no founder, but really is an umbrella for a variety of religions. You will not find a grave or a hero in the grave. Well, as we turn the corner, what about Judaism? After all, they're the ones that have given us the truth that we now embrace. But see, many of the religious leaders did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Some of them did. Yeshua, his body was buried in a tomb. In fact, today, 
you can go visit this tomb, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, in the city of old Jerusalem. But I've got some news for you. Some good news. His body's not there. There's no bones. There's no money there. Nothing else is there. It's just an empty tomb. He has risen from the dead. That's what makes our faith greater than any religion in the world. We worship a risen Savior, and he's in the world today. All, all the Jews had to do was produce a body to all the frightened people, to all the frightened apostles. Yeah, they came at night. They defeated all the guards. They punched their lights out. They weren't anywhere near the cross. And all of a sudden, they had the courage to beat up all the Roman soldiers, the strength to roll away the stone and die a martyr's death for a hoax. Would you die for a hoax? No. They had seen the risen Savior. And they began to preach about this risen Savior. In the first sermon that Peter preached, the one that denied Jesus, three times stood boldly before all his accusers and was not worried about his life. But just a week ago, or 40 days, 50 days ago, remember, he was frightened in front of a young lady and a young woman to even identify himself with Jesus. Are you afraid to identify with Jesus in school, young teenager? Are you afraid to identify with Jesus at work? Are you willing to boldly proclaim that he is risen in your community? Peter did, and 3,000 people, not counting the women children, believed in him. Okay, we know the Old Testament talked about life after this life. We know Jesus expounded on it, and he himself followed through with the truth that he had the power to raise his own body out of the grave, and he revealed himself to the apostles. Well, did you know that life is relevant news for you and me today? Life after this life is relevant to all those listening in online and all those present this morning. It can be yours. Let me remind you what the scripture teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. That means good news. That I preached to you, and you received it on which you have taken your stand. This good news, he said, this gospel, this good news is how you're saved. Now, a lot of people don't understand that word saved. They don't understand saved from what? Saved from judgment because once to die, after this, the judgment. And so you're saved from that condemning judgment. The Bible tells us those who believe in Jesus, there is no more, no condemnation. But people who have not believed will stand condemned before the Father. Secondly, you're saved from the second death. The second death is eternal separation from God forever and ever. Now, since you know that, that you'll be separated from God forever and ever. Isn't it good news? Isn't it good news that Jesus said you can be forgiven of your sin and you can be saved from that judgment and you can be saved from the second death? All you have to do is believe 
Here's what it continues to tell us in this same chapter. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I've preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, now here's some more testimony about this life after this life. We've already given you ample evidence that's been recorded for you and me. Now, he manifests himself to a larger crowd. Let's look into the scene on that in, in Galilee and in Jerusalem. For what I received, I passed unto you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture, and that he appeared to Peter... Then he appeared to the 12. Remember that we're locked in the upper room. After that, uh-oh, open up your ears. This was not done in the back alley. He appeared to more than how many? 500 people at one time. Imagine Jesus showing up here, and now we're, 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 we, we disperse, and we begin to tell everybody in plantation, Jesus is risen. Th that's what it was like. After that, he appeared to 500 of the brothers at the same time. He said, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. We believe that was the half-brother of Jesus who doubted Jesus, even though he grew up with him. He did not believe he was the son of God, probably till after he rose from the dead. He appeared to him and then to the apostles again. And that last of all, he appeared to me also, to one abnormally born. This is the Apostle Paul, who was like many of us, who persecuted Christians, who made fun of Jesus, who did not believe he was the Son of God. In fact, he was consenting to the killing of believers and the throwing him into jail until God knocked him silly off his horse and blinded him. And he literally woke up to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the one speaking to you and me. He said this, God has also made promises to us in Christ that are yet to be fulfilled. Though inwardly we are being renewed, outwardly, as you can see in the mirror, we are wasting away. At the resurrection, however, the perishable will finally put on the imperishable so that we may not lose heart. Jesus evacuated his grave and so shall we. If you would like to get a hold of this good news, just remember what Jesus told the world in John chapter 3 as he began his ministry. He said, as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, you'll have to do a little bit of reading in the book of Exodus where people rebelled against God and, and they ended up, um, God sent a poisonous snake and bit all those rebels. And then he told Moses about these complainers. Here's the love he had for those rebels. He said, put a snake on the pole and put it up high. And everyone that was bitten by the snake, if they will look to that pole and that snake, I will heal them. Now, how many of you think actually did it? And how many of you think actually snickered, thought there was no way? Those that thought there was no way, they died. Those that looked to the snake on that pole, they lived. With that scene in mind, Jesus reminds them of that because the Jewish people knew about that. They've been told that since they've been a little child, this story. 
Here's what Jesus said. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What's he talking about? The cross. He was on the tree. And the scripture teaches that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. What's keeping you from receiving eternal life? Of course, if, if you've already known him and you're like me and you're celebrating the resurrection today and you know that when you die, you'll be with God, you are encouraged by these passages. But you may be looking in online, watching us this morning or here for the first time. All of us at one time heard this news for the first time. So, so don't think everyone sitting around you knows all these truths. At one time, I didn't know these truths. I lived a life away from God. And then when I almost died, I thought, oh, my goodness. I'm going to H-E double hockey stick. And I felt it. I prayed and begged God for a chance to live. And then people started telling me what I'm telling you right now. And it's like all of a sudden my body was wide open to the news where before I didn't want to hear that news. Maybe you're here today. And for the first time, your, your mind and your heart's opening up to the news that God is sharing with you right now. I live and I will forgive you of your sin and, and I will save you right now if you believe. If you look to the cross, I will save you. I will forgive you all your debt of sin. By the way, one last passage I want to read to you. Actually, two. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us that there is more evidence, and that evidence is you. Let me read that passage. Therefore, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, that means you're all in, you believe he's the Messiah. He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That's the evidence that 2,000 years ago, what Jesus told the apostles, what they witnessed, still has the same impact today as it did 2,000 years ago. Why? You're sitting here because he's changed your life. I'm standing here because he changed my life. There's a new you in the house. And, and all the people around you know there's a new you. Because you don't behave the way you used to behave. Talk the way you used to talk. Listen to what you used to listen to. Watch what you used to watch. There's a new you. And your family knows it. Your neighborhood knows it. Your co-workers know it. That's the evidence that he has risen from the dead. He said this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, here is the last scripture I want to read to you. I've had the privilege of reading this the last few weeks as we've done quite a few funerals as some of your loved ones have gone on to be with God. And I always read this either at the funeral home at the graveside. It's something that Paul left us with to encourage us about the loved one we just lost. Here's what he tells us. Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. 
According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. He's talking about the subject of the resurrection. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that promise, especially in the grieving over the loss of loved ones. You will be reunited again. So again, would you stand with me at this time? Maybe you're watching this morning from the comfort of your home or you're again here for the first time. Today is the day you can believe that there is life after this life. And God said, believe in my son and you will be able to have life with him forever. Now, just think about it. The apostles finally saw him. They sat down and ate with him. And so now they could breathe. Wow. This battle's over. Because I think of it a lot of times that day that I'm going to have to battle with death. And the Bible tells us, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is going to be with you. He will be with me. And I've heard so many testimonies of those on their dying bed giving some sort of signal, some sort of glow that God was with them. And I can imagine the apostles now could breathe a sigh of relief. Everything he taught them had come true. Jesus conquered the grave by rising from the dead. Now you and me too, if we accept Christ as our Savior, we can breathe a sigh of relief that your eternity is around the corner if you would believe. Release the burden, the doubts, the speculation about life after this life is settled. Lay your burdens down and breathe a sigh of relief. In fact, sing with us as we sing the song. It is because of the miracle of breath that God has given you, that you get to believe and breathe this, sing this right now with our band this morning. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.